We've been fighting a long time. We have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Hey everybody, it's Steve with Sons Fidelity. I'm coming at you once again with my friend Jason Craig in the, the western front of North Carolina. I'm in the more of a south central area. But we were talking the other day over a 98-ounce beer, I think it was, that we got at a Mexican <laughs> joint. I think it was gigantic. Anyways, of the problem of authority that we got going on and the nanny states. And this, we got a, our wheels start turning and... More like I was pounding Jason. Hey, let's do. Let's keep talking about this. Let's bring this up. Give me your idea about the nanny state and how this kind of like a, I want to say a, a punch at manliness, but basically it is. So, Jason, yeah. uh, how how are we going about this nanny state coddling everybody uh, in these days? How many beers did you have? Just that um, one. <laughs> the one pounding beer. Um, just kidding. It was about as big as your head. (laughs) Catholic moderation. That's right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we were discussing, obviously when people, when the government becomes, uh, interested in all parts of our life, especially in protecting us. No, when when we speak about the nanny state, when people use that term they're you know, in your imagination, you're talking about somebody taking care of you. Uh, but in a way that somehow makes you more immature, more dependent. Uh, and it's an, it's an interesting term because it comes from British politics. I mean, they're the ones, and it comes from just what it's used for now, which is uh, particularly when the government started putting up signs uh, in Great Britain and, and things to make sure people didn't get hurt. Um, the sort of- um, The crosswalk and, stuff and things. Yeah, I don't, you know, don't walk off the cliff, you know, just putting up signs as if everyone needed to be under the watch of a nanny. Um, And uh, so that we've adopted the term and it's being used more and more uh, in the United States, you know, for good reason. Um, How did it even come up when we were talking? I don't know. Maybe just, well, I guess we're being protected now from the coronavirus. Yeah, about the whole uh, stay safe, but don't get sick. How the... The mantras have been more of a womanly, feminine, feminine stuff instead of a dad letting you go out and yeah, so get let's, hurt. All right. So let's talk about why the be safe thing and the taking care of you thing is seen as feminine. Because we have to defend the feminine right now. Because um, there's a truth in human development that uh, we need both the maternal and the paternal. And they two, they do two different things. And it's, it's interesting that they do different things. One, the feminine is associated with sort of the wholeness, especially of the family. So things like the home itself or things that contain and carry uh, almost like a womb or something caring for the vulnerable, 
things that gather things in together as a whole is is feminine right so for example the church is a she right holy mother church and if you picture saint peter's you know bringing everybody you know that image of saint peter's the mm-hmm. arms reaching out bringing the whole world in as in the in a wholeness she's a the church is a she um although her leadership though her leaders are all he's right so it's as a whole the church is a she in the hierarchy there's very much a he and actually in our individual souls you know theologically speaking when we all become um when we're all saved is by adoption as in christ the son right so it's in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit so this particularity becomes masculine this is why things that are that are kind of in their wholeness are often referred to in some sort of feminine way like a ship is called a her uh you know that contains the crew of men for example or mother earth so we might have the particular country might be fatherland you know my fatherland uh but as a whole the the it's mother earth and even when we talk you know in philosophy the name for wisdom when it's kind of understood in its wholeness is feminine so that the word sophia Uh um that the, the feminine is this wholeness and i mean if you think of even adam and eve when god speaks to them after the fall right after they both sin you notice he speaks to them individually right so he doesn't give a broad what it, what sin is going to be like for everyone right for all of man he actually speaks first to the woman and then to the man when he speaks to her she he speaks of childbirth right and also uh the the um her now, her new desire to sort of have dominance over her husband. You know, when he says, your your desire shall be for him, Adam, but he shall rule over you. Uh, a lot of husbands might like, yeah, the desire is for me. Um, but that's not what that means. That's actually the same language used later when God warns Cain about killing Abel. And he says, sin's desire is for you, but you must dominate it, right? You must have dominion over it. So the wife is told, you're going to have a temptation to want to have headship in the family, but he's still going to rule over you, just like he does now. Uh, but this is a new temptation because instead of being in the wholeness, you're now divided and you'll be tempted to take his role. And then when it comes to child rearing, you're going to have more pain associated with that. And I always think it's interesting. Women and mothers tend to have a much better sense of the overall health of a child, whereas the father can actually miss something and so if he, all right there's a leg broken you know we'll, we'll get the leg fixed but i don't know if you know you come home from work and say hey the baby's kind of sniffly or you know like she has an attentiveness to the body of the home and the bodies of each individual right so all right not to go too far off that but there's something in the feminine that brings us all together that's john paul ii said that's why you know mary in the upper room represents this kind of wholeness of the church um the masculine on the other hand is always priestly Right, so it separates you out of the, the 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 kind of the comfort and the safety of, in a sense, the womb, the wholeness, so that you can be, you know, able to sacrifice the way that a man is called to and, and able to. So that's why, you know, the whole uh, men being priests. It's like you know, only men can be priests because only priests can be men. Right? It's the 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 being pulled out of the the particular the the wholeness of the feminine to sacrifice yourself is a priestly act and is intimately associated with the masculine, which is why when God speaks to Adam, he talks about his toil and the the thistles and the thorns. 
the outward providing. You're going to go out with your sacrifice, like to offer the sacrifice of work and bring it in to the wholeness, right? But you, you know, it's this beautiful harmony, male and female. He created them. It's good. Um, so the book I wrote, Leaving Boyhood Behind, is I, I like to say that the the current man crisis we're living in is this crisis of immaturity, where we have that wholeness of the feminine taking care of boys, which is exactly what they're supposed to do. But when it comes time for them to be extracted out of that so that they can become the men, priests, sacri- you know, sacrificial, that we stop that from happening. So whereas men literally introduce boys to pain and facing fear and all, I mean, you think about the absurdity of men who wrestle with their babies, but it's what we do, right? I mean, we physically wrestle like we're roughing them up mm-hmm. so that they're able to meet the challenges that are coming, right? Because these challenges are coming. This is the world we live in. And it doesn't, we don't have time to go into it. Um, I don't think, I don't know, Steve, I don't know how much time you got. But I had all the time in the world, <laughs> brother. This doesn't mean just toughening boys up. I kind of hate that crap. It's very worldly. Um, whereas as if uh, be tougher is the answer to, to just all of life's problems, which is which is just, that can be understood so easily in a worldly way um, because it's, it's disconnected from priestliness that uh, it becomes machizo, nonsense, annoying, silly, you know, nothing. So anyway, we don't, we won't go into it now, but <laughs> buy my book um, or 10 of them. Um, just kidding. You can edit that out, but <laughs> I tell everyone to do that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, what a, what a true, you know, God inflicts pain. You know, Job says God wounds, but he heals. Right. So the purpose of the masculine is not just to take you out, rough you up like some sort of hazing fraternity and, you know, rah, rah, rah. It's, it's just, it's more than that. It's like, you know, when God knocks Saul off a horse, right. That physical pain is something to do with the blessing he's going to receive, right? He strikes him blind, knocks him off a horse, right? Or, you know, wrestles Jacob, you know, and breaks his leg. To, to, so there is this infliction of pain, but there's also a, a, a preparation um, and blessing that comes with the pain. <clears throat> not to mention our Lord on the cross, right? He's not inflicting these wounds that uh, are just pure evil because he carries those wounds with him into his resurrected body, right? They're still there. So... There's something sanctifying and whole and goodness about them. So let's get though, when that doesn't happen, what happens to boys? They become narcissistic, self-absorbed, wimpy, uh, effeminate, immature man-children, right? And that, that word effeminate, the way Aquinas uses it, is they're unwilling and unable to sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So they're unable to be priestly. So when he says effeminate, he doesn't mean acting like the female that word gets confused you know because of its etymology but effeminate means really unwilling or unable to be a man right so uh and but for boys what it does mean they typically retreat into the world of the feminine and stay there instead of entering the world of the men and sacrifice they stay but we have you know we live in a world where they're, the, they're trying to blur the lines between male and females if they don't matter but if you want to know how much they matter, just hang out with some boys that are 16, 17 that have never been around men ever. Uh, and then hang around boys that are the teacher's pet. Um, there's something in them you can sense uh, about their inability to sacrifice and their willingness to want to please 
um, especially the women around them and be and kind of stay in their favor. That's, uh, you know, and hey, let's let's point at ourselves, even amongst the, uh, you know, good conservative homeschooling family. I mean, some of these uh, boys that are growing up um, in the matriarchy of the homeschool world. Right. And, and it is if there's no fathers involved at all in the formation of children, he's just killing himself to make enough money uh, to afford whatever lifestyle you have. And the mother completely owns the education formation and they're never together. That the boy, he needs to be uh, with men. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. I mean, but the, those boys that are walking catechisms are not always impressive as men on a natural level and even supernatural. They just know the answers and how to look good and make everybody happy. Um, they kind of lack an integration within them anyway yeah and i mean it's hard it's a, it's a fine line because you 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 don't want to sound as if oh i'm walking around judging the manliness of your children or but but there is a certain uh you know limpness in their handshake that is happens when and it, there's a good example right firm handshake eye contact people think that's just some useless show of strength but it matters say you're on a job site right and you using tools correctly requires a firm wrist uh -huh. or you because if, if you use them incorrectly like you use a pair of post hole diggers with these lamp wrists you're going to hurt your wrist you're going to you're going to hurt yourself or a shovel or you might hurt someone else and if you're dirty and you're not focused and able to listen to me when i speak you might hurt someone so something like on a job site everyone's got a firm handshake and good eye contact um and it has a good natural practical reason for it it shows a willingness to, to show strength to kind of bring it. It's, and I know, yeah, there's histories of, I don't have any weapons so we can shake hands and all that, but it's, it's not machismo nonsense. These masculine mannerisms matter. This is why some men are very put off by effeminate uh, acting men. It's not because they're acting girly, right? It's because there's a certain intuitive understanding that, that you have gone through the formation uh, as a man that, recognizes certain needs, certain things that are expected of you, you know, is it, that your responsibility because you're male. Is it kind of uh, telling that they're trying to eliminate shaking hands? Uh, out of safety, right? Yeah. Out of safety. Yeah. So what this you, is the thing though. So what do you think about the heresy of safety? Is that a good, is that a good term? <laughs> I think it's more of the, the sin of fear. Uh, okay. Uh, just to be so scared that you're no longer be human. Um, and this is on display right now. I mean, so the advent of the nanny state, that idea is that there's a, a feminine caregiver, but it ain't your mother, right? Because a lot of times the mother will push the boy out or push the child out into the world of the father. You need to get, like, who does mom call when, when the boy needs a good whipping? You know, like, um, there's a, a lot of times mothers, even Fulton J. Sheen, you know, he talks about the wedding feast at Cana, that Mary's kind of pushing the issue because Jesus is, you know, his response is sort of, hey, if I do this, the world's only going to tolerate my life here for so long. You're going to set this thing in motion, you know, woman, it's not my, you know, what, what have you to do with me? And she doesn't say anything. She, she said what she's got to say. Fulton J. Sheen says that that's our lady sort of pushing along the priestliness of, of our Lord. So, it's not as if mother, but if mother, if, if someone does in their humanity, they don't have a father pushing them, introducing them to pain, to challenge, to learning who they are, what they're capable of, then they tend towards uh, being self-absorbed or insecure in the way that 
you got to prove to every room you walk in, you got to prove that you're a man because you really, you're, you're not sure you are to those jackasses that, you know, everything they do is proving how tough they are and how, how non-tough you are and constantly comparing themselves to other people, putting other people down. There's those guys. Uh, so you're kind of the bully or the wimp. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nanny is someone who is paid, um, to be like a mother to a child, right? Because you would presume a man doesn't have a nanny. So a nanny is someone who's gonna keep you safe. And you think about mothers, um, my, my wife, when the boys, you know, we have five sons so far, one daughter, whenever they're doing anything, she's like, I can't watch or come here or be careful, get down, stop that. Because it is her, her vocation is to care for their body, right? As soon as they come out of the womb, they're like one with her and her care for their body is a beautiful motherly thing that they're not her, that they're not cold, hungry, in pain, crying. That's her job. That is her vocation. So it's natural for her as they get older for her to continue doing that. It's my job to sort of separate them out and show them how to face danger and pain and endurance and all those things. But the nanny is just like the mother without the father or the mother around. So she's just like, be careful and be safe, or I might not get paid, right? She has a certain, almost an economic benefit for making sure that you're, yeah, out of danger. So our nanny state right now, not only overly protecting us from ourselves, from our own decisions. I mean, even right now in the coronavirus, I'm sorry. I can look at the statistics, the numbers, the, the potential danger, my own situation, and I can make a reasonable decision to live life somewhat normal, um, especially in the, in the place that I am, in, my, in the rural environment. To, to, to offer these just blanket for the whole world as if, the, as if the middle of nowhere North Carolina should do exactly what they're doing in New York City or Miami is just an absurdity, right? That, and that's where the state is exercising this ridiculous call to safety that's impossible. And now the it's almost as if absolute safety is the absolute we're searching for. That's impossible. So we'll ne- there'll never be a normal. If our standard is no danger, we must stay in a padded room. So this is very nanny-ish to protect us to such an extent that we have to escape the nanny in order to swing on the rope swing into the river, you know, to live a little bit. So nanny, good little nanny's walking us down the safe path, making sure we read the signs to stay out the grass, but and if you're going to live, you're going to have to, you know, rip off your mask and jump in the river, you know, for a minute, the muzzle. Uh, but the, but the nanny also doesn't, um, she, it's also her job to prepare, to, to take care of you and your bodily needs is just your, you know, your food, just your corporal needs, what it is. So this idea of the nanny state, I'm, I'm nauseated by it cause I see it growing, but I think it's, it's like a distortion of the maternal but it leaves no room for the father at all to measure and weigh the potential risks and danger of, of life, of even economic life, of physical life, of sickness, all that stuff um, goes completely, I, I'm not allowed to have that right now. So, um, you know, we're living through the collapse of authority. Nobody really knows who to listen to anymore, uh, whether you're, whether we're talking about uh, experts or what the heck's going on in the church or all sorts of stuff. We, we, people don't know who to listen to. Um, and so 
it really is the time for the father, right? That's how you should be listening, legitimate fathers. Um, but I have a feeling that nanny state's not going to want to release her. Uh, it, it goes back to, because well, we were talking, I brought up leadership and you brought yeah. up authority. And the sign of a good leader is somebody that can say, hey, I was wrong. We can correct our course of action to get back on the right path. But what you see today, ain't nobody saying anything was wrong. Is yeah. the sky's orange? No, it's going to stay orange, and here's why. And you're going to do X, Y, Z, and there's nobody, no leader, no politician ever. Mm-hmm. At least I don't think, especially in these United States, have ever said, "Hey, yeah, we were wrong on this. Let's change this and go back to here." Another problem yeah. with manly, manhood, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's nerve wracking that the the unwillingness to acknowledge why people might be confused right now or unwilling either i mean really people are either hyperventilating or or they seem to be totally rebelling right there's no place for reason in the middle but with the crisis of authority i mean it's almost undermining too of the father's authority not only do i not have authority to to act and make decisions and all that um but the very idea of authority right now seems absurd who 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 do we listen to because most authorities have some sort of paternal dynamic to them. And I know we've been trying to erase that slowly, but we still call our, you know, it, to, to say that women were not a part of the founding of the United States is absurd. Of course they were. But we still have a certain sense of the, that a lot of the authority and what, what moves forward in our country, the founding fathers. But that's, I mean, that's an offensive term at this point. But so all the tangent, you know, the related things regarding authority. Now you listen to, uh, experts and scientists, right? Or, or experts as this broad, nameless, faceless, I'm only doing follow the science nonsense when they're actually making decisions with their authority. In some cases, seizing authority that doesn't belong to them. There's nothing about a nanny. A nanny doesn't actually have authority except what's been given to her. Mm-hmm. So it seems like right now, we have a lot of people who have seized authority over things that we wouldn't have accepted before but now they've got it and they don't know how to give it back and we don't know how to take it back. Right? We don't really, we're in this holding pattern. We don't really know what to do. There's a lot of things people were telling us to do we weren't sure they could they could tell us to do. So the whole sense of authority is now on its head. Um, what do we even do about that? So it sounds like maybe we should just sit here and listen to whatever nanny tells us. I don't know. I just I want to be safe. Yeah. And if safety is your goal, if that's your primary if, you, if fear, if you're driven by fear, you're gonna to listen to Nanny, right? She's gonna she's gonna take you to safety. I mean, that's, she'll help install that fear, so you will listen. Yeah. yeah, it's good for you to it's good for you to be fearful. You stay at my side when you're scared, right? And uh, yeah, that's a but the under the undermining of authority not only by some some positive right po- positive undermining, but the negative undermining of um, dismantling the whole idea of authority in the first place. I mean, I, I do believe in experts, meaning there are people who are your better. They know more than you know because they're more educated and disciplined in that realm of study. But now we have people like politicians who say, I'm just following the science, which is absurd. Who is that? You know, what is the science? Because when you make a, a moral, practical judgment based off data, right, that might, you might, science is something that's informing you, right? It's part of what you're taking in, but we're humans here. We're not. We can't be reduced solely to data. 
right? The, the world is more than what science can tell us. And that, you know, our old friend scientism, which is basically what we can measure and weigh and know that the physical science is all the reality there is because there's nothing other than the material. Um, you know, that's a philosophical principle. So I'm, I'm listening to the science means I'm, you know, I am dismissing all things that are human uh, and sticking solely to the biological. And if that's the case, then the only thing is, well, we got to keep this thing in the petri dish alive, right? If our goal, we just got to keep it alive and safe. So again, here we again, the nanny state, right? If there's more to me than my health and my body, a man does not live by bread alone, then uh, there's more to it than whether or not I get COVID-19. You mentioned COVID twenty. Uh, is there a COVID twenty yet? Uh, it'll, it'll probably it'll just probably just be uh, added that. I'm trying to give me some COVID twenty. <laughs> you mentioned that about the uh, religious aspect. I mean, it, this kind of is almost like a religion. You got their high priests. You got their your code of conduct, almost uh, kind of like what you're supposed your commandments. Right. You know, the basics. The obsessive, obsessive hand washing. Right. The Pharisees keeping their hands washed all uh -huh. the time. Yeah, and uh, those who uh, don't believe in the same thing, you get excommunicated from the, the rest of the people. Totally dismissed. So, and that, honestly, I've stopped. I mean, we're obviously on some kind of same page here. Uh, it, it's become impossible to have conversations with people because um, immediately they you are dismissed as someone dismissed in science. Even I might have the same amount of articles from the stinking internet that you have. And I'll tell you, I'm confused. I don't know what to believe. But the more we learn and the more I, I look, I, you know, I don't, I don't think this obsessive, I don't think 30 seconds, but to have them like, um, you know, we live on a farm, we try to be simple, get rid of screens, we don't have a television, but every now and then we'll pop a show on, right? And, the, and like all the places where you get a show through the internet, they have these like, wash your hands, like teaching my kids, like bypassing me altogether, because I don't know how to teach them to wash their hands, which might be true. And, uh, there, you know, it's like this. Now, I mean, maybe that's the safest thing in the world, and that's what we should be doing. And what I've heard, what I heard about coronavirus, is uh, that that actually is the most helpful thing we can do. Is when you go out and you're, you know. But then the CDC says, "Well, it doesn't exist on surfaces anymore." They even came out saying seventy uh, sanitizers are pretty uh, poisonous. Yeah, my wife, she's yeah, she's she's got all her reasons why these things. She's like, the worst thing you could do, your body is living, breathing all the time with uh, bacteria and stuff, and you get exposed to it, and that's how your body deals with these things. So if there's a time of sickness, the worst thing you can do is stay out of the sun and get not get vitamin D and obsessively wash your hands all the time and have no exposure to any bacteria. And that's like the worst thing we can do. But that's just my wife. She's no expert. She's just a mother. <laughs> yeah, I was at Mass the other day, and there's a station for the holy sanitizer and a little bottle of holy water. The holy sanitizer. The holy, I wonder if there's a prayer for the blessing for holy sanitizers. We need to write one up for it. Uh, and there's a guy, and I grab, hey, I go, hey, babe. Uh, I grab the little bottle, get, shake it up, get some water out of it. And there's a guy next to me who's basically taking a bath in the sanitizer, looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is difficult. And I, I almost think, I understand. I don't have any condemnation for people who are scared because. I can't turn on the news without a story, but but it's kind of like, you know, um, violent crime has been way down until recently. You know, places like New York City, violent crime was way down. But if you look at the news, you actually think things are worse than ever. When like the 90s were actually way worse with violent crime. 
but the news is so constant and so in your face and so everywhere you're constantly hearing news about somebody dying you know so there might be eight million kids that have gotten coronavirus and one of them dies and you hear about it the next day you know so constantly i don't have i'm not uh i don't know i'm not as i understand why people because the, the traditional ex- expertise that you look to that you trust is informing you rightly um are confusing right and they're hysterical about the potential threat i mean but but every day i'm sorry the death rate of this thing goes down and uh was it so 1000 people will die a day anyways not we're not talking about virus just a day yeah yeah i don't know What's the number? Do you know, the I, number? it was like a, it was like just over a thousand. I was watching Peter Hitchens the other day. They were talking about that, going, "Yeah, it's like a thousand fifty-four on average a day die of whatever. Name your condition. Are we going? Are we going to try to eliminate all death? Are we trying to eliminate all germs? Uh, how do you? Yeah. There's, I mean, how do? How many times have you and I probably agreed or said, "Hey, yeah, Bill Maher is onto something." <laughs> you can't sanitize the planet or universe. Yeah, yeah. So again, it goes back to it. Okay, it's not whether or not there's something, some sickness out there that looks pretty bad. There's a sickness out there that looks pretty bad. But, and prior to the, I mean, we've drifted into coronavirus, but the idea of the nanny state, you know, predates coronavirus, obviously. But it, we used it before in the term of, terms of uh, providing for your bodily needs in a sort of, uh, mutual economic dependency, right? Um, in a way that's inappropriate. That's, I mean, the nanny state is an inappropriately uh, feminine way to provide, you know, basic care when someone ought to be responsible enough to provide their own care, right? So that's what that, and this doesn't, we're not talking about the vulnerable, we're not talking about the, the society's good and natural and church commanded. Uh, uh, a need to care for those that need care, right? That's not what that means. It doesn't mean, ca- but it means those that ought to do something ought to get up and do something. St. Paul says in my grandmother's translation, uh, no worky, no eating, right? The people that refuse. So the nanny state refers to them taking care of them. Now though, we're coming into the nanny state trying to see to our absolute safety uh, by keeping us in, in fear, right? And, and there's those of us that are simply, um, not willing to succumb to the fear. It doesn't mean I'm willing to be callous, right? I'm not gonna burst into rest homes and demand I walk the halls with no mask. Um, I mean, there's obviously danger there, right? It doesn't mean if you're uncomfortable, I'm gonna make you shake my hand. You know, if you don't wanna shake my hand, look, I'm an American. I was already trying to stay six six feet from everybody. You know, we we like our personal space, it's okay. Um, But don't tell me I can't hug my buddy, you know, when he comes up and I haven't seen him in a while. So it's this uh, strange. That's another thing. The inner authoritarian and people are coming out. If you don't like it, we want to force you to join, to do what we're doing. And if not, there was an article on Yahoo of uh, five ways to attack the person that's not complying. Yeah, that was very interesting. Going, wait, it just shows you. It, it tells everyone a game plan. So, say they see you and I walking in the Seven Eleven or something, and here, here's what you should do. You should go up in there and ask them why are they not doing this, and then basically avoid everything they're going to say, and then just start getting mad at them. Yeah, <laughs> that was it That's in a nutshell. 
<laughs> yeah, it's strange that there's so much compliance. I don't, I can't say I understand that fully. Um, What's some practical ways for people to? I don't know. Get a. Uh, Get not out of the nannied. spell. Uh, not be nannied? Not be, yeah, not, yeah. yeah. Uh, probably stop reading the news would be helpful. Most of us, uh, I mean, I <laughs> I don't want to recommend belligerence, uh, but it's a tactic I'm taking, which is just, I'm just not complying to things that I don't see are reasonable. Um, and that does not mean, that's not, that doesn't mean I'm unwilling to try to be cautious in a time where there's a bad sickness going around. I, I don't like when my whole family gets sick with anything, but it happens every year. And I, you know, but even, you know, amongst a small community, oh, so-and-so has been sick. Should we have this potluck? And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I mean, we can't, can't stay safe forever. We got to have a potluck. You know, I mean, that got to take risks. need to be, I think the most radical thing we can do right now is be human, you know? Um, and I just refuse to do things that I see are, you know, sanitation signaling uh, the, you know, cause before it was, you know, obviously there's been the flip-flopping on masks and maybe people can show studies at why it's so important, but you know, you go, you go in the grocery, go to the gro- actually where we were eating, I had a priest friend come in to the same restaurant. So, you know, I've been there. I was just there with you. So I came back with this priest friend. Uh, by the way, if you have a friend that gets ordained, those guys have tons of extra cash. You need to get them to take you out. That's a tip. <laughs> um, so, you know, their house is paid for. People give them cars. Yeah, they get let gifts at the Wazoo. <laughs> let them buy the food, okay? Don't, don't let Father Francis make you think it's about poverty, okay? <laughs> um, but, uh, sorry. We're, anyway, we go in there. Nobody's wearing a mask because they know me. Other people come in, they're wearing the mask. So what's going on in that situation? It's just, they're signaling. I don't know these people, there's a discomfort. So I'm sending the signal that we're being safe in here, right? Maybe we shouldn't say online who, who these people are. They're like descend on them or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Don't, don't mention names, Jamie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we got, man, it's like going to the grocery store and everyone, all the, all the teenagers are sitting around talking. And then, you know, then you come up and they're, and they're fumbling with the, you know, it's like they're messing with their mouth. It seems more dangerous. So we're allowed now to ask the reasonableness of what's going on. And okay, so I've said all that. People will like, hear a bit more precautions, but also where you are, man. All these things matter. It's just we're allowed to engage. But now I'm even having this talk with you. This is like impossible to if if you if you don't comply, you're heartless. You know, belligerent, self-absorbed. You you want to kill people. Uh, you know, of course, excuse me for not believing a society that murders, you know, millions of babies, that the safety yeah. of human life has now become all consuming to you. Yeah. Like Governor Cooper yeah. here. I, we're about children, the health of children. So wait a minute. Aren't you for killing kids? <laughs> yeah. So the inconsistencies are obvious. At the same time, there's other people, you know, and, and they're friends of mine and they're much more cautious. And, and I think they fear that I'm going to be just equally as belligerent that, uh, um, you know, if do if you want to wear a mask and wash your hands all the time, and do it. You don't want to touch me. I, I what you know, I wasn't really wanting to touch you either. Um, that's okay, you know. But now the the line is drawn. Uh, so I guess almost on both sides, if we're going to escape it, then we've got to stop listening to the sirens of hysteria, take reasonable precautions that we think are 
are reasonable. We we obviously cannot. I mean, even the you know the CDC and the World Health Organization have been at odds and flip flop multiple times. So of course it's difficult to understand them. But I got friends that are in the ER uh, treating COVID patients, and you know who I listen to them. Uh-huh. You know they've got really reasonable. So it's just I mean. My, this is kind of my way is to listen to the people dealing with stuff um, on the ground and the, and the, the trenches of it. And they're, you know, they're the ones that have, you know, an ER doctor, a friend of mine is like, no, you just don't need to wear a mask. It's just not, not really going to help. And we all, we all know that. I'm not sure why we don't say that. Um, he said, obviously in certain settings. Yeah. So my point is don't be an ass either way. I mean, I, you're, you're not going to prove your point and you're certainly not going to spread the gospel. Um, by, by being an ass because you you don't know somebody's disposition or their fear or whatever you, you just don't know so it's not worth being belligerent uh it just never works for anything um there there's certain christian uh virtues like manners you know that that don't invade people's private thoughts with what they you know and so anyway i think you need to talk to people be reasonable uh when it comes to the nanny state economically i mean you need you need to you need to get a job and work hard if you're able to, period. That's how you escape that. No, I thought we were supposed to get government handouts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, work hard and don't vote for Democrats. I don't know. I'm sorry. What, what do you want to say? Uh, they, they have no other model. By the way, you know it's an interesting book that's not on either side of this particularly, although I'm sure he's probably lefty, is uh, Sebastian Younger's Tribe. He talks about the... Of course, everyone wants to care for the, the, the people that are them and the vulnerable. And a lot of times on the right and the left, we're talking about two different things. Whereas people, people on the right are talking about um, the, you know, the bum in the basement that won't go get a job. And the people on the left are talking about somebody who might need an act, a, a genuine safety net, as they say, before they fall into abject uh, misery and poverty, you know, like we saw early on in the Industrial Revolution. So that's an interesting read that it's a human impulse that's actually preserving the same thing which is the good of the whole, uh-huh. right? So for the good of the whole, you need to get a job. And for the good of the whole, we need to let those guys that don't have a job make sure they don't slip through the cracks into abject poverty and misery, right? So it's the, it's the same human care. Uh, and a lot of times we're just talking about practical stuff. So anyway, that's a side note, but... Uh, Seems like there's some Catholicism that could help out for the problems that we're dealing with. I, only I, we could hold two things that are at seeming odds in, in some hyperstatic union here. who knew yeah <laughs> well jason we'll let but you get hey, hey, hey. We'll let you get back to your uh, farming though <laughs>